Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. I know a lot of times I do a, a jumpy little intro saying what we're going to talk about for today, but uh, today it, it's it's very simple. Uh, today we are mourning the loss of a giant in Colorado hockey as uh, Peter McNabb unfortunately passed away earlier today on November 6th. And we are going to at very least spend the early part of this episode honoring the incredible man that was Peter McNabb, everything he has done for Colorado sports and just the the icon that he is and the how he is just an example of how we should all live our lives. Yeah, I think you did a good job encapsulating uh, just the range of emotions today for everyone involved. Um, it was sudden and very shocking news um, when it came across. I saw it on Twitter and just a super, super sad day. Um, for a lot of us, uh, I think me and you included, Peter McNabb has been the only 
the only person we've known commentating avalanche hockey. Uh, so him leaving today uh, definitely leaves a gaping size hole uh, in the avalanche community. Without question. I, I unfortunately never had the pleasure of meeting Peter McNabb, but I have never heard even an iota of a negative word about the man. All I have ever heard is the amount of positivity that he had towards everything. And nobody loved hockey more than Peter McNabb. That is without question. Without question. I did have the opportunity. I met him at a uh, season ticket member uh, where you got to like meet the team. And I, he stopped and talked to me for about 10 minutes. I remember we talked about the, it was right after the San Jose offsides in the playoffs. And he talked to me for 10, 15 minutes about it. And didn't even ask my name. He was just super courteous to me and acted like he had known me forever. Uh, and according to everyone else, that's just how he was. So it's a super, super uh, sad day. Um, I, I don't really know how we're going to talk about the games that happened this past weekend, but we're going to try our best to to remember what Peter McNabb brought to the Carl Avalanche because it was a lot. A lot was brought in by Peter McNabb to the Avalanche yeah. franchise, which is pretty rare i feel like for an announcer to have this much effect and on like a on a fan base and on a team yeah i mean someone like peter mcnab just naturally has that kind of impact with that kind of personality that kind of knowledge and just that kind of care for his fellow man i mean when i start that episode saying that he is a, a giant in terms of colorado hockey he is one of the the foundations that made this organization what it is today and is like you've mentioned just a backbone for for all of us it's it kind of is hard to to imagine a world of avalanche hockey without peter mcnab i mean he's he's synonymous with the team for the longest time. When I think Colorado Avalanche, I think about the broadcast. I think about Peter McNabb and just everything that he brings. And it's, this is going to be a very, very tough season to, to get through now as we um, mourn the loss of him. Yeah. We mourn the loss of him. And I think the biggest telling point of how important Peter McNabb was is the amount of outpour he had from not, not even fans, but former players, current players, everyone was, was heartbroken about this. Um, so he, he truly is a Colorado at like just a Colorado hockey legend. I mean, he played at DU. He goes on, has a pretty solid career in the NHL. Uh, he's an American hockey hall of famer. Um, and then he comes to the abs in their inaugural season and I remember watching, like, I still watch highlight videos of him and John Kelly and those super fun avalanche teams in the early nineties. And then he trans like transitioned into Mike Haynes um, and him and Mike Haynes were fantastic together. And then he transitioned into having Mark Mosier as a play-by-play. -play. And the biggest reason why all of those worked is because Peter McNabb was such a good uh, color analyst for any play-by-play -play commentator you work in the industry you dream of having guys like peter mcnab as your color commentators oh my god like ha having a peter mcnab with me on any sort of broadcast just in any sort of situation would make everything better you you know that as a man that knows his hockey he knows the industry he knows everything 
everything you could possibly know about the game. And like I said earlier, I've just I I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I can say without question that no one has more passion for hockey than Peter McNabb, and it's not even close. And it's just the kind of thing that dates back for his entire life. I mean, it's really hard to gloss over just how good he was as a player in over his 14-year career. I mean, 363 goals, 818 points, 954 games, three trips to the Stanley Cup final, and inducted last year into the Hockey Hall of Fame for his contributions as a player and as a broadcaster. Like, really a, a rare, rare breed to see a hockey player that good and that talented also so seamlessly transition to the broadcast booth for so long and have equal if not greater success in the broadcast booth than he did as a player which is a very high bar to clear he was so good as an announcer that people forget how good of a player he was yeah that that's how i was doesn't happen that's how i was for the for the longest time really as i got older i realized just how ridiculously good peter mcnab was as a player because he kind of overshadowed it himself, like you said, with just how amazing he is at broadcasting and just how natural everything is from you'd think he was doing that his entire life. You would think so. Um, he's he was fantastic. And if there is something that we can look back on, at least he got to see both of his teams in the last year of his life win championships. And I think that means so much more now. Uh, with DU winning the Frozen Four and with the Avs winning the Stanley Cup, the videos of him on the ice talking with the players today, those were very emotional to watch. Um, and I, he was just beloved by everyone. He, every single person loved this guy, and no one had a bad thing to say about him. Um, and I... I posted the video today of, of him on that call of the Nazem Kadri game winner and just the simplest, it did go in. It did. It, it was a perfect call for a perfect broadcaster. Um, and it's going to be very, very strange to see avalanche broadcast in the future without Peter McNabb. Without question. I mean, I love to go back to that, that cadre call. I mean, I listened to every single call of that goal. It is extraordinarily telling that the only person calling that game who knew that puck went in was Peter McNabb. Yeah. Just, he, he knows everything there is to know. He knows what the puck looks like when it goes into the net and just the call he had when the abs did win the Stanley cup in Tampa, he was in the broadcast booth with Connor and everything and goes down on the ice with all the players and all the players are going like up to him and congratulating him because he is just as big of a part as the organization as anybody else was. And just there's, like you said, nobody has even the smallest negative word to say about Peter McNabb, just the absolute gold standard of kindness and generosity and just everything that we really should all aspire to be the world would be a better place if there was more peters in it there it'd be a better place and i i i think it's it's without question that his name's going to be flying in the banners next to uh the other retired avalanche greats because he is colorado avalanche hockey and he was to so many fans just like 
what's the best way to put like I've listened to him for 24 years of my 28 years I've been on earth and he's taught me so much about hockey and just the stories and they never were they were always so articulated and very well thought out and he just he made everything better when it came to a broadcast so I'm super bummed I know you're super bummed about it too um you have any final thoughts you want to share about Peter McNabb I mean I, I could talk about Peter McNabb we could all, we all, well all the live long day he's like I said just a, a titan of the avalanche organization the gold standard of broadcasting the gold standard of what a human being should be and it it is it was very tough news to hear today that we had lost him but I hope for the the rest of this season and for the foreseeable future that we can not only grieve but celebrate the the legacy that Peter McNabb leaves behind and honor his example and that we can all continue to to move forward with the lessons that he's taught us over the years. Yeah. So um just once again rest in peace to Peter McNabb. We'll miss you dearly. Um best wishes, thoughts and prayers to you and your family. Um and I I guess we will try our best to transition into talking about uh hockey games which in the grand scheme of things mean very little today. It it um, it does feel kind of silly to to transition from the a celebration of a life as meaningful as Peter Mc, Peter McNabb's to try to talk about some some hockey games but yeah. as yeah it's it's tough very very tough but um let's let's try our best um the avs uh completed their uh what did we even the global series? Is that what it's called? The global series. <laughs> global series against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, two games in Finland. Uh actually some pretty entertaining avalanche hockey for both games. Um, the big story being that Val Nachushkin did not play in either, uh, and that Bowen Byram uh missed the second game as well. So the Avs are still battling the injury bug a little bit, but it did not stop them. Uh to sweeping this global series. No. And from, from everything we saw in these games, from what we've talked about over the last couple of episodes, this just seemed like everything the team needed to get back on the right track. it's not like they won, they just won these games and won them big. They got a lot of things to finally go their way here. I mean, you just look at the first game alone. You have Miko Ranston putting up a hat trick in Finland. Really cool. You really cool. You can't even script that. That is just absolutely perfect. But just in the first period of the game, Logan O'Connor, his second goal of the season, Alex Newhook, his first assist of the season on that goal. First about 96 seconds into the game, you get JT Comfer finally getting on the board. Like guys are just getting off the schneid left and right. Miko Rantanen gets his first goal of the game. Rodriguez, his first assist as a member of the Avs. And kind of kind of getting overshadowed with a lot of the other performances. Nathan McKinnon lit it up in oh, Finland. Oh, he was fantastic. Dude. He did um, score a goal, but he was unreal. Unbelievable. He came in with what? Nine assists, ten assists, and what is he at now? Sixteen or something crazy like that. Leading the league in assists at yeah. the time of this recording. So yeah, I mean he was Nathan McKinnon was on one. 
in in Finland. Uh, apparently the sauna and the dip in the Baltic Sea was all Nathan McKinnon needed to get going because he looked fantastic. Uh, also in that game, you had Kale McCarr get off the schneid as well, uh, gets his first goal of the year. And it was just, even though the Avs did blow a 3 nothing lead, which they did, they did blow a 3 nothing lead in this game. Little concerning for a little while there that maybe yes. we were headed right down a very similar road. But as I'm assuming you're going to talk about here, they they very much bounced back from it very quickly. Yes, they did. And I, I got to give the the Blue Jackets credit. They came out as a desperate team in that in that first game. And you could tell they were laying it all out there. Uh, but the Avs just found a way um, to push through and really dominated that second half of that third period in that first game. Yeah, I mean, you get Miko picking up his second. Like you said, Kale McCarr finally getting one on the board is is absolutely massive. And it's like Jared Bednar was talking about a lot of his press conferences. McCarr has not been bad to start the season, but yeah. you go back through a lot of his starts throughout his still very young career, and sometimes it just takes him a minute to really get that ball rolling. You go back to last October. We, we had episodes, like I said before, where we were calling Kale McCarr bad like he's playing bad and then all of a sudden november rolls around and kale mccarr is the best defenseman in the nhl and now here we are in november kale mccarr absolutely dominates columbus in finland finally picks up a goal and looks like the kale mccarr that we are accustomed to who is now no longer just an elite defenseman now he's him again he's at the very top number one it's kale mccarr no one else I, I did want to talk real quick. I saw this on Twitter before we started recording, and I have to get your uh, your view on it because I want to ask you this. Uh, according to Money Puck, uh, the two best uh, defensive shutdown pairings with the lowest expected goals against per time, uh, lowest goals against per time played together. Who's number one? It should be a layup. Now is is this this season? Yes. Kale McCarr, Devontae's. Yes. Number two. Number two. Is it an Av? No. Okay. Can it's you, an can Eastern you... Conference team, a very good defensive team with a very um, not the pairing you'd expect, but they are a Stanley Cup contender. Are you saying that sarcastically? No, no, no. I, I'm I legit mean this. It's a Stanley Cup contender in the Eastern Conference. They played today and lost to the Maple Leafs. Um. Oh man, it's I, not the pairing you'd expect. I have to very quickly brush myself up. Is it Brady Shea and Brett Pesci? Correct. And then the third one, you're never going to believe. Give me some hint. Some hint. It, it, it's a Western me. Conference team in the Central Division. It's not a team you'd expect, and it's an old friend of the show. Old friend. Oh man, a player you really came around on last year. Oh, is it Jack Johnson? It's Jack Johnson and Seth oh, Jones are the third best pairing in the NHL right now. That. That is remarkable. I love Jack right? Johnson. Jack's genuinely been good this season. Yeah. Isn't he's that playing, crazy though? He's playing top pair of minutes and he has not really like, he's not amazing, but he has not sunk under that pressure. No, but I, I saw that. that and I was like, that is shocking to he's me. Been a, he's been a shot blocking machine from everything. Yeah. I love that. But anyway, yeah, just to continue back on the were you making a point with the the Kale McCarr stuff because I know we kind of got off topic oh yeah no I'm just making the point that even when Kale McCarr is not scoring goals he's still an elite defenseman so um the offense was bound to come for him and it it did it did in Finland because he got off the schneid uh it was a big goal too because 
that gave the abs their two goal lead again. And you could kind of feel after that, that uh, Columbus was done yeah. after Mar scored. It was tough. I mean, Columbus, they fall to three and nine on the season after these two losses, they are now the worst team in the NHL. And it's kind of tough to say that we didn't see this coming because we kind of did a little right. bit, not, not to this extent, but the, the bottom five teams in the NHL right now are the Vancouver Canucks, the Anaheim Ducks, the San Jose Sharks, the Ottawa Senators, St. Louis Blues, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, it's it's definitely been weird. Uh, I did not think their goaltending was going to be this bad. And the Abs did score six goals, but Merzlinkins could have, like, it could have easily been like nine if Merzlinkins didn't make a couple saves in that game. Um, so it was... It's like you said, it's not surprising because none of us really thought Columbus was going to be a good team. I just didn't expect them to be this bad. Yeah. I mean, they really just kind of pinned it all on getting Johnny Gaudreau this season that he was going to push them over the top. I was more threatened by Columbus last year. I know they beat us twice last year in kind of a similar situation, just not overseas. But I genuinely thought Columbus was harder to play against last year. I saw them as a deeper team, not a playoff team, but like more of a threat day in and day out i just i'm not super threatened by these guys no they do have a lot of young guys like i think cole cylinder could be good i like jake bean um maybe this isn't the worst thing for them though to suck this bad and get a higher draft pick because they've yeah. been kind of middling in the uh no man's land that kind of the vancouver canucks have been stuck in for their entire at the same existence. time but then at the same time why do you sign johnny goudreau if you're gonna be bad like it just kind of well makes the sense. thing is i think this is this is bad on accident kind of thing where they True. they thought they were going to be good. They're not trying to lose, but if you have Johnny Gaudreau on a seven-year contract and things are just not going well in year one, you do your best to get Connor Bedard or any of those guys at the top of the draft and maybe run this back next year when Sillinger's a year older, when Sheenikov's a year older when all your young guys are a year older and maybe try to run this back. Cause I do, I do think Columbus has a future. They, yes. they've over the last couple of years, they have genuinely made some pretty decent draft picks that I think have really restocked their cupboard and could make them pretty serious contenders down the line. They're barren up front right now, but if you really dig in to a lot of their stuff and a lot of their young guys, like I, I really like the idea of Jake Bean and Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, Igor Chinikov, like the combined age of that line, the average age of that line is 20. Like that's nuts. Liam Foodie still has a lot of room to grow. Patrick Line is still only 24. And that's crazy. I he still, looks like he's like 50. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer, maybe one day again, but they've got a lot of options here. And who who is the defenseman that they just drafted this season that is really good? I almost said Wawrinski, but yeah, not Wawrinski, but yeah, the, yeah. who is the guy they drafted really high this season? I'm totally blanking on his name. Oh, I, I, I can picture his face. I can't put a name on it either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Columbus has a good future, but they were primed for the picking for the abs to beat the shit out of them and kind of get right. And I'm going to say it was a little surprising that the abs actually did it because with all the players we listed that were still out, um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I expected them to come out there and kick as much ass as they did. I mean, the, this just looked like the abs from the middle of the season last year where you yeah. get some depth guys coming through. You have your stars taken over 
And Columbus just looked completely and utterly outmatched in just about every which regard. And Colorado's walking out of there with their heads held high, feeling like they're back to normal. They're back in it in the division race. Now they're third. And Columbus, like, I I forget who said it. It might have been line A or it was someone like one of the big wigs on Columbus. I very briefly just saw this said that they felt like this trip was just a complete waste of time. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them. That, that, that's got to suck to f- fly halfway across the world just to get your ass kicked twice. <laughs> like that can't be an enjoyable experience. I'm sure, I'm sure line a had a good time, but I mean, could you I think, think of I, more- I, now that I'm thinking about, it, I think it was him that said that really. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I, I don't think the NHL could have wanted anything more out of this global series because not only did the Finnish players shine, but that arena was fucking awesome. I know. I mean, it was beautiful. The Miko Rantanen chance in the first game, like that, that was awesome. Yeah, there's something to be said for like European fans because they are. It's just a different type of fan. They're a, um, they're a different breed of fan than the rest yes. of us. It takes true dedication because like they're not like you and me where we just kind of got attached to our hometown teams and grew up around them like they found teams and players that they liked and they will stay up to the wee hours of the morning to watch these guys play every single game and when they finally do get an opportunity to go to an nhl game they make themselves heard. They are, they are just a completely different breed from the rest of us. They they had to work for their fandom. Yeah, they had to work and they st- they have to work every night because like you said, it's these games aren't happening at uh at like a convenient time for us is noon because like the, even when they're overseas it's like this is still convenient where the average american fan yeah. can still watch. No, 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 no. It's the complete opposite if you go to the european fan because I think even 7 p.m. puck drops for the abs is like almost like 2 a.m. Oh, in yeah. Finland. So you're talking about they have to rearrange their whole lives to watch these games. Um, but it wasn't it looked like an awesome environment. That arena looked sweet and Finnish hockey in general. I know it's been um, on the uptick for probably the past 20 years, but it is probably the best it's ever been. Like the products that Finland is carving out. Like it's ridiculous. You have guys like Barkov, you have guys like uh Rantanen, you have guys like Line A. Like that's a good like those are three really good players. Yeah, and like uh, you, you have Arturi Lekkinen as well, like who's not even a, a massive super superstar in Finland, even despite how good he is, is a testament to just how far they've come over the last several decades to now like they're not Canada, but they're going toe-to-toe with Canada several times and now pretty often they're coming out on top in a lot of those world junior games and against the United States they're it's a coin flip they're generally the favorites now like yeah. they've got they've got a lot of star power they have really done a great job with their hockey over the last little while did and they win the gold medal last year yeah they did we 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 did a YouTube watch along yeah they beat, yeah, they did they, they beat the Russian team. yeah they beat they beat Russia that's what I mean like even when you take the NHL players out of the equation, like they're just such a strong organization that they're not even phased by that. And it was was great to see them finally really get rewarded and like not even just get reward with a game to see all of their guys perform. Like, cause even line a scored for Columbus. And in the second game, you have Arturi Lekkinen scoring 33 seconds in and like this, that kind of stuff makes it feel even more special. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the NHL could have dreamed for a better scenario in these two games 
because all the Finnish players showed out. They were two uh, pretty good games. I, I know the NFL does this where they send like the crappy teams to go play over overseas. I never, but never understood that. Yeah, never understood that either. But the NHL sent over the best in the Avs and rewarded those fans who uh, deserve to watch those games. And uh, even for me, those noon, those noon start times, they actually aren't terrible um, because you have the whole rest of the day once they're over. Yeah. I mean, they're, the they're, they're, they could be a little inconvenient if you have plans, but like we were talking about earlier, like the difference is two in the morning for yeah. most like, like Finnish fans and foreign fans. When we finally have a game on their schedule, it's 2 p.m. Eastern time, noon mountain time in Colorado. Like not even the slightest bit inconvenient if you're just at home. My my biggest inconvenience was I had to watch the game on my phone. God, like damn technology. I had to watch a, a hockey game on my phone. Um, but it was it was really cool um, to get back to the, like the game one we already talked about. Miko Ranston gets the hat trick. Super fucking cool. I love Tom McKinnon on that last one. He could have easily shot that into the net, but he sets up Miko for a one-timer from the blue line to the empty net to get him his hat trick. And yeah, it was just an awesome game. Uh, Georgiev, I thought, was once again solid, even when the the Blue Jackets were pushing in that second period and they they did kind of tighten the game. Uh, Georgiev has still just been rock fucking solid, man. I, I don't know how much more you can ask of him. I, I really don't. I mean, you you just look at his stats. Like he, the team should have gotten through October a lot worse than they did. Oh yeah. Like Georgiev kept them afloat, and he's just not showing signs of slowing down. Like I don't know if he's just gotten the Colorado goaltending coaches have gotten their hands on him, and now he's just figured it out, or if he's if he's just super hot right now and he's going to cool down, but. My Even God. cooling down for him right now, if he goes down to like a 9-15, that's still the Avs can win a ton of hockey games. If the, if the Avs are playing like that in front of Georgiev, they don't need him to put up a 9-69 like he did here in the second game in Finland. And the only goal he gave up was on the power play, the only power play of the game for the Blue Jackets. They had 32 shots. He saves 31 of them. Like that, like you're 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 overperforming right now, man. You don't even need to tire yourself out that much. Take a goal off or two. Yeah, and we were talking before we hopped on. It, it was a little weird that he started the second game. Like, that I'm not the only who thought strange. that was a little weird, right? It, that definitely was a little strange. I don't really know the logistics behind that. I've never, I've never really seen that on a back-to-back. No, because it, it's not, not, not really, unless the team's like trying to make the playoffs. Not this early right. in the season. Because it's not like he had an easy workload. He faced no. 39 shots the game before, and 24 hours later, he's playing again. Faced 32 shots. Now we don't play again until Thursday. I'm I'm sure that was a massive factor into it, but I don't know. You generally don't see that. I mean, I don't want to say they don't trust um, Frankie, but that was interesting. You can't argue with the results because we won, but I I was interested to see that decision. Yeah, I was interested because – even with this, like maybe it makes sense because it wouldn't shock me if Frankie gets the start on Thursday against the Preds with the Hurricanes coming in on Saturday. Like that wouldn't shock me. Maybe they didn't want to give Georgiev like a week of rest before a game. That that could be yeah. my logic. That could that could be it. I mean, it also could. I I suspect that he's going to play against Nashville just because. I don't know. Like this week off, I think kind of throws everything into a loop. But I don't know. Georgiev has he just had a week off and then plays two games and he's perfectly fine. So I don't even know if there is any rhyme or reason to any of this right now. 
No, there probably isn't, but it, it was definitely strange because I, I was watching the game on my phone uh, at work on Saturday, and I was like, wait, that looks like Georgiev. I could have sworn Frankie was slated to start this game, but it it didn't matter um, because, like you said, he was fantastic in that second game, and the abs are – I'm really hoping this is the start of – I'm not expecting them to do the same thing they did last year because that was unprecedented, but if we can go and win, like – 65 70% of the games for the rest of the month I'd be pretty happy with where this team stands um because in the second game like you said we had the depth scoring show up I think Arturi Lekkinen was in a little bit of a slump so he got going again 33 seconds into the game uh, McKinnon sets him up on a beautiful two-on-one and before we go too much far, did you know Corpus Al hadn't played in a year Oh my God, you're right. I didn't yeah. even think about that. They said that on oh, the broadcast. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't even register that Corpus Allo was back. I mean, good for him. Yeah. Welcome back. Here's 33 seconds later. Good, good for him. Here's the, here's the avalanche feeling good in Finland. Yeah. Like that's just flocked. Um, but Arturi Lekkinen gets his goal. He kind of gets a little bit off the schneid. I wouldn't say he was riding a cold streak, but he scored uh, the two goals in the, the season opener. Hasn't been able to get on the board since. I wouldn't call it a, a cold streak because he's gotten really close, but it yeah. probably felt good to get that one to go through for him. Probably felt real good for him. Um, but yeah, you jump out to an early lead. Boone Jenner ties it on the power play, like you said, the one power play chance the Avs gave up, which is it an indication that the Avs are the only team to give up a power play goal to the Blue Jackets so far? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're the they, only team. They were over. Yeah, over. They were 0 for what, like 28 or something? Yeah. Like they hadn't scored all year. I mean, the law of averages, you knew they were going to score eventually. They, just were so, the oh, they were so due. But of course, it's the, against the Avs, and they have one power play in this yeah. game. It wasn't like they went one for six. They went yeah. one for one. Well, they scored the night before, too. Yeah, oh, that's true. They did. Yeah. yeah. But still. So we gave up two power play goals to the worst penalty or power play in the league, but overall i mean when you're not taking penalties like it sucks going 0 for 1 on your pk but it's just an indication you only gave up one penalty so oh man i can't believe i just said that because the blue jackets literally went one for seven on the power play in the first game and i just completely yeah. ignored it but oh man getting even just getting back to it, i mean even after boone jenner scored to make it 1-1 in the second game like i i just was not concerned at all really Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. The Avalanche starting in just a week against the Chicago Blackhawks for their home opener, going up against the Calgary Flames the next night, following that up just a couple days later against the Minnesota Wild. This season is going to get off to a bang right away, and you can get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook every single night from money line to puck line to individual player props, no matter what you're thinking of, DraftKings has got it for you. And if that's not enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. And best of all, 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I definitely was not concerned at all. Um, I, I did not think the Blue Jacks were going to win this game. And uh, sure enough, the Avs got going. Uh, the big story of this game, uh, to me, is this the – did we finally see the breakout of Martin Kaup? Because I he actually will. got played in this game. I really hope we see the breakout of Martin Cow here. He played 14-11. I don't know if Jared Bednar listens to this show, but he listened to what we were saying. We asked for Martin Cow to just get a chance. Get a chance. It's the Blue Jacket. Just give the kid a chance. And I'm not I'm even looking at the wrong thing here. It's the wrong game, but still, he finally gave him a chance to play and he he delivered. He put up 2 points in this game. He played 9 minutes in the first game. He plays 14 in the second game. Granted, little lucky on the goal, but does not matter. You think Martin Cow gives a fuck if that goal was lucky? Not even a little bit. Awesome to see him finally get one. And just good to see that he got some trust and got rewarded with it. Two points, three shots on goal, massive goal, the game-winning goal as it held up too. And I really hope it becomes a pattern to see him play more and more and that Finally, we'll just have a depth option. I'm not. I'm not asking for 14 minutes a game from him. I'm just asking to some degree of trust and just to put him in a position to somewhat succeed. Yeah, and then I don't know if you saw today they reassigned him and. Uh, oh, I did. I did player. see that. I have not. I didn't even blink at that. That is a paper transaction. Yeah. That we do not play until Thursday, and we are just accruing cap space because yeah. we are a smart team, and that's what smart teams do. Yes. So um, he was he was fantastic, and I, we've been asking for this, for him to actually get some meaningful playing time. And I think this game was kind of the perfect time for him because the Avs were winning for a majority of the game, and they could cycle all four lines. And him getting his first goal, like you said, it was it, it was not the prettiest goal. It was a little bit lucky, but he had, he's had a couple chances this season, and he just hasn't been able to uh, – to necessarily put him away. And he finally was able to put him away and I couldn't be happier for the guy. It was his first goal since 2019, 2020 His maybe? rookie season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know he's a rookie, but like, I mean, his rookie, rookie, rookie season. Yeah. So it was huge for him to get going and he gave the abs a, a one goal lead and they eventually, that was the game winning goal. But I'm hopeful that, like you said, we're not asking for 14 minutes. I'm Martin cow tonight. But if you can get to like eight to 10, that's a lot. But you're yeah. doubling his ice time. Like just consistent bottom six minutes. Because this game is going to stand out as an anomaly in terms of ice time. Because you also had Maltsev playing 11, Dryden Hunt played 12, and Nathan McKinnon played 19, just under 20, and Ranston played 19, 29. Like very even distribution of ice time just because we ran over the blue jackets so quickly in the second period and absolutely put that game away. You get the Calc goal, you get the O'Connor goal less than three minutes later. And then basically 
under 40 seconds after that, Devon Tays gets his first goal this season. Very underrated storyline of these two games. Devon Tays was cooking in these games. And those I didn't even notice he hadn't scored yet. I didn't I, even I didn't either. Because honestly, he's just been <laughs> I hadn't noticed Devon Tays all that much, but it's like I've said about Devon Tays, that's fine. Because yeah. Devon Tays just does everything so well. He's just such a safety blanket. Like he doesn't need to score. He just does everything so right, so perfectly. Perfect complimentary piece to Makar. And now you're all in big, big trouble because now Makar and Taze have a goal and now they're rolling even more than they already were with what you've already brought up. Number one shutdown defensive pair in the NHL. And only now are they starting to even try. So you're all in big, big trouble now. Kill McCarr has 12 points. He has 11 assists and one goal. Like he's just not scoring goals, but he's still being a high impact player for this team. And once the goals start coming, it's going to be fucking crazy because what we're how many games have the abs played now? 11 McCarr is a point per game player right now. No one would guess that based off of how he's been playing or how the media has been stirring him, not scoring goals. Right. And like over point per game, Devontae's has eight points in the nine games he's played so far this season. And he's a plus six. Yeah. That's just the, even when those guys are not at their best, it's like I said, they're still the best players in the world. And then when they step onto that another level, it pushes this team to a completely different category. It doesn't. The defensemen are so vital to this team. Uh, obviously defensively but offensively they are just ginormous for this team um i would not be shocked if we're in a couple weeks i don't know if we're the highest scoring defensive group uh right now but i know we're up there it wouldn't shock me in the next couple weeks if we see the abs just really take hold of that because that's that's their <laughs> that's like their title to that's, have. that's their thing we have the best defense in the nhl and it's not particularly close yeah so that was great I think the defensemen are going to get going here. And then to end the third period or to end the game, we had our guy, Alex Newhook, get another goal. And he's had a little bit of a slower start, uh, but he's starting to get going. That's two goals for him now, two in his past four games, because his goal Great. happened against the Islanders. Two in his yeah, past, yeah. It was the final, it was the final minute of that Islanders game. And we had to kind of just sit on that, that blown lead for a while, but that, that goal kind of, Turned out to be pretty important to get him off the schneid. He's picked up now a couple points over the last little while. He picked up an assist on the Logan O'Connor goal, and he gets a goal his own here. And he Cout picks up another assist on that one as well. So now that's two points for Newhook on this Finland trip. And you're hoping that can at least ignite him because I really have not hated how Newhook has looked throughout the season. It's just he hasn't been, gotten the puck to be able to go in. He's gotten really close on a bunch of wraparounds. He's gotten robbed a bunch of times. And, you know, I'm not expecting him to come in and just be Nazem Kadri and just replace what we've lost with Nazem Kadri alone because that's just not going to happen. It's a combined effort between him, Rodriguez, and Comfer at the very least. But if you're getting him going every other game, you're getting at least a point, maybe a goal every here and there. Like, the goal you want for Newhook is 20 goals. You want 20 from him by the end of the season and probably about 50 points. I think that's a fair in that that general vicinity. You never know with injuries and everything. That's the kind of pace you want him to be on with how old he is and the current trajectory he's on in his development. That's kind of what you're hoping for right now. So to see him finally pick up some, he's already got two on the season. Now he's picking up some assists and just getting something going for him. 
that's a good thing to sit on as we wait until we play Nashville. Again. Yeah, wait until we play Nashville. What was his ice time? Because I know the ice time for Newhook's been a little bit of a question because he's not really getting like the top forward type minutes. Um, so w- you have it up. What did, what was it? Uh, in the first Finland game, he played 13-15 to about minute 53 on the power play. And in the second game, he played 16-30 and only 52 seconds on the power play. So he got a like like Cout did. He got a lot more trust in the second game. I imagine because we were just running over Columbus yeah. so badly, it just kind of seems silly to not give those guys a chance. I'd like to see Newhook around the 15, 16 minute range going yeah. forward. That that's like the the dream scenario for him is to be in that range. Because um, like you said, he's not going to be Nassim Kadri. If anyone thought that was the case, it's just not going to happen. Right. That was not, that was not realistic. He was not going to put up a hundred point pace. You were Dude, asking. I saw, I wanted to send you a video, but I knew you were, uh, you were traveling this week. There was a, uh, it was a local radio uh, hit and they were like, see, this is why we should have traded Gerard and re-signed Kadri. And it's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. It's like, it's like, guys, you don't continue to win championships signing a 31 year old to a seven year deal. Right. And Nazem Kadri has no. been brilliant for Calgary to yes. start the season. This is not at all in any sense of the imagination trying to take away from what Nazem Kadri has done with Calgary so far this season. He has been excellent, but that contract as in, is until 2029 at $7 million. Yeah, he's got 11 points in 10 games right now. But when we're trying to compete for a championship three, four years down the line, you can't have that $7 million on the books for a maybe. You take you'd have to chance. trade assets to get rid of that contract. Right. You take that chance on what you have in Alex Newhook and you bring in an Evan Rodriguez and you try to replace that by committee. That's just the smart thing to do. If the smart thing to do was sign Nazem Kadri, guess what? He would still be here. It, it was just funny. I, I I didn't want to send it to you and make you frustrated on your on your weekend vacation because uh yeah, it was uh it was i saw it and i was like oh, guys like why, why are we we're gonna have this debate till the end of time i yeah. guarantee you we're gonna have this debate all right i, I can mention with my little weekend vacation i finally did some prospect scouting watched, yeah. uh, watched old penn state take on michigan over the weekend watch penn state beat their asses a little bit but finally got to see some prospects no abs prospects unfortunately but i'm growing you have, my you have some knows. knowledge you have some, have knowledge, some of the, knowledge of the college got, got to watch luke hughes play he's gonna be good He's good. He's that, really that's good. that's the end of my little diatribe. Yeah. Just thought I'd but, elaborate a little detail, uh, uh, especially why this is a day late. Just this was easier yeah. for both of us to do. Because I, I didn't mention that at the beginning because we were talking about Peter. But yeah, this, no, this it, it was a day late. It's a day. We gave him notice. We, we, yeah, we, we knew that. I didn't tweet it, but we talked about it last time. So. Yeah. So, I mean, to circle back to Alex Newhook, you just got to get him up to 15, 16 minutes if his confidence continues to grow. I don't think he's been necessarily bad defensively. Oh. I don't have the eye for that as some like per- professionals do. Uh, believe it or not, we aren't professionals, um, as I can't even say professional correct. Yeah, we're professionals. Uh, yeah, professionals. Um, but I, I don't think he's been bad defensively. I think it's just Bednar is slowly gaining his trust with him. And as we continue to go in the season, I think we're going to get more and more up there. I do like the chemistry him and Rodriguez are developing. I think I, I like that pairing. I think yeah. I think you give that some time to blossom. I think you can work with that. Yeah, and then you add in a guy potentially of Gabe Landeskog's caliber to that line, whether it's him. Um, and now that Newhook and Rodriguez are going, even when Val comes back, that's going to be 
a pretty good second line if they continue I'm, to play with this. I'm conference. interested to see how Val fits in with that when he comes back, hopefully against Nashville. I am because he did do warm-ups and everything, so I imagine he's close. Yeah, I mean he's, what's the point of having him play in a game if he's not a hundred percent in game in, in Finland against the Blue Jackets? Like mm-hmm. if you're not a hundred percent. Why? What are we doing here? Why are we bothering? He'll have two full weeks off now before the next game. I would be a little surprised if he doesn't play against uh, Nashville on uh, Thursday. But when he comes back, because before he went out, it was just him on that line because Newhook and Rodriguez were not doing too much. And now you add back in Val. And if he comes back, like, all right, let's let's not even joke around. Val's going to come back and be Val. Like, it's... Yeah. There's no more of like this mirage that Val is like a one hit wonder. Like we know what Val is. He's he's one of the better players on this team. You get him back with some players who have confidence like Newhook and like Rodriguez. I think that's a pretty good second line. And then you add back in Gabe Landeskog in January, February ish. Your top six looks pretty fucking solid. Yeah, your your top six is perfectly fine. And that has massive implications on your depth as well because you're pushing a malt sev out of the lineup and if you're getting martin Kaut going he, he, going is a very loose word but if you're if you're getting contributions from him at any point at any if you're giving him eight minutes a game and you're getting something from him that's big you can keep him in the lineup you can push malt sev out you can push the the extra spare defenseman that you keep shoving in there out like a jacob mcdonald or a curtis mcdermott every now and again and now all of a sudden, even before you've made any trades, we've talked this like on every episode, even before you've made any trades, you're still looking just fine. It can be better, of course, but you're still looking just fine. You're looking just fine. And Darren Helm coming back, which that's going to be, we know what Darren Helm is. And oh, we we almost skipped over. Cogliano left the game. Uh, yeah. Second game. So that's a little, um, a, not, not concerning because I imagine he'll be fine because... He has a week off, so if he misses a couple games, okay, like that, that's fine. Um, it would be a lot more of a bummer if he was still on his Iron Man streak. <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember how he oh, lost that one. I would, I, the second you said that, I immediately thought about how they suspended him and he lost it for not even a bad play. No, no, but uh, yeah, I mean, Cagliano, he's looked good. It, this was just the perfect weekend for the Avs for everyone just to get right. Yeah, that's that's just what it felt like. It felt like everything that we really needed to see from this team after two lackluster performances against the Devils and the Islanders kind of happened here. It wasn't like we just kicked their asses. We just got depth scoring. The stars showed out. You had the depth guys show up. And not even just the depth guys. You had Martin Kaut score a goal. You had Alex Newhook score a goal. Those were the big two. And now you've got them going. Kale McCarr scored his goal. Alex Georgiev has shown no holes in his game. None. He looks brilliant. Only maybe concern is you're still giving up a lot of shots. I don't think you're too happy about giving up 39 shots to the Blue Jackets and then 32 shots the next day. This is what they did last year, too. But I know, I, and that's my point. Yeah. Like, There's still work to be done. This is not a finished product. No. But you are very happy with the improvements that you saw now you're going to face some real tests back in America and going back on your home ice. You're going to play Nashville. You're going to play Carolina. You have two games against Carolina in the span of about five days. I really want to see how those go. I think that's a really good litmus test for this point in the season. I like Carolina. They look good. 
they're not perfect. They're vulnerable, just like every other team. But those games are always very interesting. And you've got what's probably going to be a nice little blood match against St. Louis on the 14th as well. Well, St. Louis has been atrocious. They're going to be coming out for they're coming, out, they're for coming out for blood. Jordan Bennington, he's coming out. Water bottles flying, of course. Yeah, water bottles flying. Fake tough guy that, trying to fight that, people. That that Sorokin thing where he just bumps Sorokin. Like I'm, I'm glad everyone just collectively agrees that Jordan Bennington is such a whiny little piss baby. Like yeah. no, nobody likes this guy. Nobody likes this guy. Um, and I, I really have been. Uh, that Devils loss, while well, it sucked in the moment. The Devils look fucking good, dude. Like, that was probably one of the Devils' worst wins. Yeah, and the Avs actually kept it close in that game. Yeah, so, like, dude, at least we only lost by one. Yeah, I mean, what a week for the Devils. Two weeks for the Devils. They beat the Avs. They go on their Western road trip, beat the shit out of the Canucks, beat the Flames, and beat the Oilers. Like that, That's pretty good. Pretty like, good. They, like, they genuinely had, like, some gut checks in those games. Like, the, the Canucks game, I mean, they they just – they ran all over the Canucks. Yeah. The Canucks just had no chance. The Oilers, that was, like, a genuinely interesting yeah, game. They were down two. They were down – yeah, they were down three to one. They come back all in the third period. They get two goals in seven seconds. And that, that Flames game, like, that was a genuinely fun game to watch – they're up three to one. They blew a three one lead in that game. Like that, that's a gut check. That's the kind of thing where a young team gets tested like that, and they still win that game in overtime. The Devils are real. That is a real Good team, man. and they are going to make the playoffs. That is a real team. That I think if I could make one change to my preseason predictions, it would be I'd sub out the Caps. Sorry, I'd no, no, oh no, none, none taken. <laughs> Fuck these guys. I'm yeah. done. We'll save that for Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. show. We'll we're we're going to save all of that. We're just going to get a little off topic with the Devils yeah. and get back to but, it. But but if, if they can get consistent goaltending, which they've gotten these past 10 games, they have a legit chance to not only like make the playoffs, I think they could win a series if they yeah. get some. Oh, yeah. Out. I think they can make some noise for so, a question. And they're setting themselves up for the probably the next decade with the yeah. talent that they have. So this is a very good season for the Devils. Did you, so see, did you see the goal by Ryan Graves that he scored to tie the I game did. against the Oilers? That was such a Kale McCarr move that he pulled right there. And I was like, oh, I forgot Ryan Graves was on this team because he's just – that's kind of how Ryan Graves is as a player. Like he's just so yeah. solid that you just kind of forget he's there. Well, I mean, remember uh, remember when Ryan Graves was Devontae's for us and was just attached to Kale McCarr's hip? I mean, if you're, a, if you're that close to someone for that long, you're going to pick up a couple – pick up a couple tricks yeah and he did but yeah the devils look legit so that's awesome you're the seattle kraken look good like we'll save this all for wednesday yeah, we'll, we'll, let's save all this for tuesday but, when we have no games to talk yeah. about but just but regard but, to summarize the finland trip the avs did what they needed to do they won both games i don't know about you i wasn't super confident about winning both games just because it is truly like an unknown how a team reacts to playing and yeah a i mean country. I felt okay that we would win both games, especially especially after I saw how this the first one ended. I felt fine that we were going to win the yeah. second game because my my predictions for it was the first one was going to be close, and then we were going to pull away in the second one. We pulled away in the first one, and you you could just see in the body language of the Blue Jackets that is just a deflated team, and they were really going to need a great start in the second game. Thirty three seconds in, they're already down. They get a goal to tie it, but you could just see like they're just not in it right now. They're down in the dumps. They're beaten. They're like, man, we're just not who we thought we were. Johnny Goudreau is not going to save us. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they've got a lot to work out and a lot to figure out for the rest of the season. 
So I felt fine that we would win both of those games. I mean, it's tough to really, it's tough to judge a game like this where you're, you're playing a team that's just so downtrodden like the Blue Jackets right now. But from the Avs perspective, you really could not have asked them to do much more than they did in Finland over this trip. No, you can't ask for much more. Um, I am excited to see how the games play out this next week because if it's any indication, uh, the Predators really struggled. The uh, Sharks, who are a bad team admittedly, uh, they they struggled too. So I'm interested to see how the Avs adjust. Granted, they are significantly better than both of those teams. Um, I'm interested to see how, uh, how these upcoming games go because Nashville – They've turned it around a little bit. But... They've turned it around, but I would still classify them as mid. They yes. are a middling hockey team. I just, I don't have that feeling from them that they're going to make the playoffs. They just seem kind of out of it right now and just kind of bland, not a ton of energy around. They had a nice little 3 nothing comeback, granted, against the Vancouver Canucks. But... Oh, bro, that was so disappointing. I had the Canucks in that game, and I was like, oh, I'm easy money. I almost tuned that game out, and yeah, they blew it. Yeah, I mean, they they picked up a very nice win against the Flames. You got to give them credit for that. They did have a nice performance in Calgary against Calgary. Good, good game for them. And they're going to have a chance here to turn it around because they've got Seattle uh, on Tuesday. They have us on Thursday, the Rangers, the Wild, the Islanders, the Lightning. We're really going to see if Nashville is anything this season. And if maybe they just started cold in October, but if they come out of November bruised and battered, they're, I think they're done, honestly. Yeah. Like, I just, even that, I just don't feel threatened just, by I mean, the Western Conference is so fucking bad, dude, that they yeah. may, they may sneak their way in. They may sneak their way in, but that you need more from Soros. Like, they're, they're getting a lot from Kevin Lankin, and surprisingly, Soros has been not bad, but he's been over okay. UC Soros standards. He hasn't been good. He's been just okay for a top three gold. Like, would you consider UC Soros a top three goaltender in the league? I would coming into this season. Yeah. I mean, right coming now, into this season, not really. Yeah. I mean, top three may be a little generous because you got Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, and then kind of throw in whoever you want. But um, I, I, I would put him third personally. Yeah. Coming into this season, I'm not going to let the recency bias of the beginning of the season tarnish that. He dragged the Predators to the playoffs the last couple yeah. of years. He, he's really fucking good. So it'll be. It'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to this week actually getting to watch the Avs at home. I, I haven't gotten to watch the Avs, an Avs home game. It's been in, so long since the Avs have played a home game, and they didn't even play in their last home game. No, they didn't. Um, I didn't even think about that. That's funny to think about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. And the Avs, you know. They haven't won at home since the home opener. That's fucking crazy. We played think. three home games. It's crazy. Yeah, because we lost to Seattle. And then we lost to we lost to Winnipeg first, and then we lost. That's right. So I forgot about the Winnipeg one. Yeah, we were one and two at home for the yeah, most dominant home team last year. Yeah, we're one one and one. Yeah, that's crazy. But I'm looking forward to them. There's going to be a lot of fun hockey coming up. Um, is this kind of like the last stretch we have to go where there's a obscene break in the in the schedule? I would think so. I mean, there's a couple two-day breaks slammed in between. I think the next, not even the Christmas break, do we have to deal with this. I think we're good. Dude, for... December is a fucking, Jesus, we get to watch the abs every other fucking night. Holy it's shit. Literally, like there are no back-to-backs. There are no breaks. It is the abs until Christmas, three-day break, and then is the abs day off, abs day off, abs. Like, 
I hope you guys are enjoying this break because you are going to get a nonstop all-you-can-eat buffet against a surprisingly a shocking amount of East teams in December here. There is not a lot of West in here. You got Buffalo, Boston, Philly, Boston, New York, St. Louis, Philly, Buffalo, Nashville, Islanders, Montreal, Nashville. Then you have Arizona, L.A., Toronto. A lot of East teams in there. Dude, you want to tell – like. You would have told me December 15th, the home game against Buffalo was one of my more anticipated games of the year. I would have told you you were fucking crazy. Like, that's going to be a fun game. I'm pumped. I feel that that way about the Cavs playing Buffalo coming up in a few months. Like, I'm I'm so excited to watch this. I love the Sabres right now. They're going to be fun. fun That Boston game on December 7th is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. So, our, our games against Boston tend to always be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, yeah. Overall, just a really successful uh, weekend for the Avs. Um, I, I don't know. Is there anything else we, we missed that you can think of? We have, but we're going to save that for Tuesday just because we don't have anything to talk about for Tuesday unless Correct. we get some other crazy injury news. Um, I think we are good to wrap this admittedly tough episode up. I mean, this was a, this was a hard one to record, especially obviously very early on talking about Peter McNabb uh it does it did feel a little silly at points I was kind of catching myself mid-conversation just feeling kind of ridiculous talking about hockey after something like that happens when you just kind of realize how insignificant it can be sometimes in the the grand scheme of life itself but for a hockey giant like Peter McNabb I mean it's it's going to be a tough loss for us and Avalanche Nation to get over to lose uh, just an incredible human being like that. But like I said earlier, I, I hope that the rest of this season can be spent not only grieving, but, but celebrating that everything that Peter has left us with over the years. Ditto. Exactly what you just said. Um, I, I, I hope we did. Well, I know for a fact, we didn't do a good enough job uh, summarizing just how great of a human being he was, but I mean, it's, it's just not possible. Yeah. It's not to, possible. It's not possible to do in one podcast episode. And as someone who's never met him, I just I simply cannot do Peter McNabb justice. I would just I would recommend to everyone listening, go read all of the stories that everyone has posted about him and will post about him over the next several days and just really come to understand just how special of a human being Peter McNabb is really a a once in ever kind of person in terms of generosity and kindness and passion for hockey and just overall knowledge, just the absolute full package and everything that you could ever want in another person. And I, it's going to be tough over the next little while because it's going to be a lot of, of honoring for him. And I hope that again, that we can celebrate everything that he's done. Agreed. So um, I I hope that you guys have uh, a good uh, rest of your week and we will, we will talk to you on Wednesday, but yeah, just a, just a super weird episode to record, but uh, we we hope you all enjoyed it. So I'll let Griffin do the outro here. Yeah. And again, thank you all so very much for, for tuning into another episode of the Teledabs, this podcast. Uh, The only variation I will make to this outro is just to make sure you tell your loved ones that you do love them because life.
does go fast sometimes and you never truly know what's going to happen. But once again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. As always, rest in peace, Peter McNabb. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. You can use promo code Tell It As It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. But once again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you have the time, just take a moment to read up on everything Peter McNabb. Get fully caught up on everything that he did in his life, everything he accomplished in his hockey career and everything he accomplished in broadcasting and just the absolutely incredible person that he was and his legacy will carry on for him to be. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time where we don't have any games to talk about, but we're saving some stuff to talk about for then. So we'll see you all back, back on our normal schedule, hopefully for the rest of the season, no more late days, no more uh, breaks where there's just no games to talk about. So We'll be back talking normally and just really getting into the full swing of things on the next episode. So we'll see you guys then. Hope you enjoyed this episode as tough as it was, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.